We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. It's time for another episode of The Breakdown. I'm Matt Hamilton. That's Matt Castle. I pointed the right way this time off the jump. Proud Trust of myself. It. Uh, Chiefs got another big win on Thursday night over the Chargers in the division. We'll break all that down, what we saw from the Chiefs, what they need to build on, and we'll preview the upcoming matchup against the Colts coming off that tough loss to the Jaguars and a struggling start to the season. So, Matt, welcome. What stood out to you most from that Chiefs win on Thursday night? I mean, uh, there's so much that stands out to me. It's such a hard-fought win, and that's what you need. And it's a division rivalry, and everybody keeps waiting for that moment that the Los Angeles Chargers go out there and they take control of the division. But the Chiefs, look, they're still top dog, and they found a way to win. It was a gritty win. You knew that it was going to be one of those last-minute, fourth-quarter wins that you have to just grind it out. And they made the plays that they needed to make at the end of the game. Obviously, the interception with Jalen Watson at the end was the momentum shift that they needed to take the lead and hold on to that lead you know defensively I thought they played well they played really well against the run and and that's something that I think I've seen most improvement from of this team defensively was their run defense they they last year they were on average giving up around 115 this year it's been 89 in the first two games and so to me, if they can continue to build on that, continue to have good run defense, play physical in the front seven, and then secondary make plays like they did, that's what's going to take this team to the next level. And again, Mahomes, the, the special qualities that he has each and every week, he's a superstar in this league and he makes superstar plays. Yeah, and, we, and we've talked about the depth of that receiving core, you know, even before the season started, how that we thought that would be a strength. Yes, you lose Tyreek, but there's so much depth there. And it really showed up once again, nine different guys caught passes for the second week in a row. And uh, the offense, it wasn't as smooth a sailing as it was against the Cardinals. Do you put that more on the Chargers just having a really good defense? Or do you think there are some things that the Chiefs still need to work out, uh, especially in regards to that passing game without Tyreek? 
Well, it's, it's game two, right? And so there, there's going to be adjustments that are made throughout the course of the season. You're going to find your strengths and weaknesses. Week one will tell you a little bit, but week two, three, four, five, as you get into the middle of the season, you start to really understand each an individual, each of the, your individual player's strengths and how to play to those strengths. But at the same time, you got to look at the Chargers. They spent this offseason. They went out and were able to bring guys in like Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson. This is a much stronger unit than what it's been in the past. And so when you go up against a dominant defense with two elite pass rushers and really good secondary, it's one of those things that they're going to challenge you no matter who you have out there on the field. And I think a little bit is to the Chargers. And at the same time, I think that they're still trying to figure it completely out with the absence of Tyreek Hill and that threat um, and, the, and the new personnel that they have offensively. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, as you said, when the game was on the line, they found the ways to make plays. And, and I agree. I expect this thing to uh, to pick up steam as the season goes. And again, we're saying all of this and this team is sitting at 2-0. and At 2-0, and um, right? There's not a lot yeah. of complaints here. And and with a primetime win against a divisional rival that a, a lot of people picked to win the Super Bowl this year. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was it was an impressive performance overall, and especially – with some of the injuries they had in that secondary. And as you mentioned, seeing a guy like Jalen Watson step up the seventh round pick out of Washington state coming up, right. just such a, such a clutch play in such a critical moment. Um, I know we like to focus on the chiefs side of things here, of course, but just looking at that last play at, or at that pick six, what, what jumped out at you when you, when you went back and, and dug into that play? Right. Well, you see the Chargers, what they were doing is no huddle and they were trying not to substitute because they wanted to keep whatever personnel the Kansas City Chiefs had on defense on the field. Because once they substitute, then the Kansas City Chiefs, they stop the clock and they are they stop the everybody and they are they're allowed to substitute. So I don't think that they wanted to substitute at that point. Instead, what they try to do is get on the ball. And operationally, Herbert's trying to communicate, right? He's trying to communicate protection, trying to uh, communicate the routes on the outside. But Everett, as you saw, the tight end, he's exhausted. He can't even hardly get to the line of scrimmage. He's trying to call for help, get out of the get out of the lineup but herbert's like come on get up here run that flat route open it up there's running sticks concept but at that point you know everett kind of fools him he stops he's lazy he slows down and at that point you know you you see what happened was jalen watson's in perfect perfect location it's not like he did anything exceptional but because everett fooled herbert herbert threw the ball he's in great position he catches it takes it 99 yards and that really changed the outcome of the game and is that one of those things that as a quarterback, you know, we saw Everett kind of asking to come out. He's winded. Um, Herbert is obviously trying to get the get the offense up to the line and run that no huddle offense. But is that one of those things as you, as a quarterback, as you mature, as you become a veteran and get that experience, like maybe you notice, hey, my guy's winded. Like, let me throw this out of bounds or let me go to the other side. Or is that asking a little too much um, of your quarterback? You know, it, it's, it happens constantly where you get fooled by somebody and it could be on a spot route or return route. You think he's going to sit down, then he takes off and you throw the ball with anticipation. And I think that's what happened. And it's, it's a really hard lesson to learn at the end of the day, though, the coaching staff and everybody's going to go in, they're going to watch the film. And the one thing that they always say to you as a quarterback is look, don't make a bad play worse, particularly in that situation when you're in the low red zone, it's first down. If things aren't completely clean, you don't absolutely love it. Throw the ball away, live to fight another down, and you're still in great position in second down inside the five-yard line to hopefully go put a score on the board. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, obviously we saw it go the other way for the pick six. The Chiefs had, an, had another field goal. 
later on to to extend the lead to ten, put the game away. But uh, it was it wasn't exactly what we expected because I think we expected a few more fireworks than we got from the offenses. But the Chiefs did enough to get that win. And let's dig into some of the tape now, some of the big plays from that game. This first one I want to take a look at down in the red zone earlier on in the game. Matt, what did you see here? Yeah, you know, they they love that set where they start Kelsey isolated on the other side, right, with three wide receivers. And then Juju Smith comes over to a two-by-two, two, basically a stack formation over there at the top of our screen. And when you see that, there's a coverage adjust, adjustment on the back end because originally it starts in some kind of too high, and I think it's going to be some form of a bracket coverage with a man concept underneath. But as soon as they go from that three-by-oh set to the two-by-two, two, there's some kind of communication that happens on the back end. You see J.C. Jackson comes up and points Travis Kelsey. So now he's got him one-on-one. -on -one. The, the other safety is going to take Juju Smith-Schuster, who's off the ball, and play him one-on-one. -on -one. And then it looks like it's a one funnel. And when I say one funnel, it's a post-high defense who's cheating to the other two wide receivers over here. But then when you see this, you look at Mahomes, and as he drops back, he's looking at the primary part of his read is now to the to the left of where he's looking, right? He's looking over there. He's seeing Juju Smith-Schuster Smith break in here. But what happens is that funnel player, which he's just reading eyes, he, he squeezes that window, right? And Mahomes doesn't like it. And as soon as he doesn't like it, he gets off it and says, okay, I've got to go make a play. So then he scrambles out. He, you know, he breaks contain, scrambles out, and he does what Patrick Mahomes does best is he improvises. He makes a guy miss. You see a few different pump fakes. There's nobody open at the back end of the in, in line. But then McKinnon here just pops open late, sidearm throw, touchdown. And again, you know, this is an elite quarterback with unique characteristics and the ability to make plays, particularly inside the pocket, but outside the pocket. When he when it breaks down, nobody does it better than him of improvising and making a play. Yeah, and all those pump fakes too. You know, those those defenders get a little jumpier down in the red zone. So you start pump faking at guys, you, you know, you have those you're able to manipulate those defenders that way. And then the, you know, obviously the way you can throw from all these different arm angles and drop down and just find that passing lane and, and get it into McKinnon. It's just it's beautiful. And that's what makes this offense so difficult to defend is not only do they have some elite players, not only is their play design absolutely unbelievable, but even when you outsmart them or account for what they're trying to do to you and take away the primary read. You just have Mahomes out there and his ability to extend plays and just make something out of nothing. Right, because he's so good on that level, but he's also a threat to run. So as a defender, yeah. you're put in such a compromising position because you're sitting there going, wait, do I stay back here and I try to cover down on this guy because I know it's a scramble situation, but the minute that they stay with that guy, then he's going to run up the sideline for a score. So he puts you in a very difficult position, and then he's able to make throws like this that there's – only a handful of guys that can do anything similar to this at all. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. Look at this throw. Look at the arm watch. angle. Just exactly could, exactly it. how you rep it, right? Exactly how you teach <laughs> it when you're going through mechanics and you're going through warm-ups. You're like, let's work on that half, half sidearm throw right there, a few different pump fakes, off balance, and throw a perfectly located ball on his chest so he can fall into the end zone. Yep, that's exactly what we're going to do. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, but I want to move on now to the biggest touchdown pass of this game. Oh, yeah. Um, and this is – I absolutely love this because it's something we talked about last week leading up to this game is how do you deal with 
having to face not one, but two elite edge rushers and two guys that are absolute game wreckers in Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, because you can't double them both. Um, obviously, you don't want to take too many guys out of the pattern um, and, and limit what Mahomes can do. So how do you do it? And we got an answer here on this play. Um, as you see Bosa and Khalil Mack in, in those wide nine techniques, what what did you notice about this one? You know what I love about this play is because this this defensive structure and it's particularly the front is unique. You don't see this very often. You see there's four down linemen, but there's three. It's an overload front that you've got three defensive linemen down here at the bottom of the screen. And then you've got two linebackers mugged up in your B and C gap. Immediately, look, this puts a lot of stress in terms of the communication and how to handle this because you don't know which one of those guys are a threat to rush because both of those guys have the ability to blitz at that time. But I thought they did a remarkable job here and also accounting, like you said, for these, these guys, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, these guys are elite pass rushers. So what do they do? They bring Kelsey in, and they also have Juju Smith there with, that gives body presence. So when Kelsey comes in, look at his release pattern. A lot of times, you're going to take the path of least resistance, right, which is go outside Bosa. But no, I love the play design because he inside releases. What does that do? It just gives a little bit of hesitation to Bosa. Is he going to crack me? Is he going to hit me? So he's not screaming off the ball. And the same thing with Juju Smith-Schuster. He sits there, gives body presence, kind of acts like he's going to get, get his hands on him just to give Khalil Max something else to think about so he can't just pin his ears back and run around the edge like he would if he didn't have that guy there. So that – really set up the protection scheme. And then the offensive line did a tremendous job. And I'll say this, Wiley right here at the right tackle position, he steps down, gets hands on that blitzing linebacker, which gives Jarek McKinnon the ability to step up and stone him. But then he kicks out and does a great job here of getting back outside and pushing Bosa up past Mahomes so he can step up in the pocket. And again, that little bit of a wider path that Bosa has to take because Kelsey releases inside of him is what allows Wiley to get those hands on and still get to Bosa in time. And and you see McKinnon step up, make an incredible block in there too. But yeah, when you get those guys, ten, when you get Mack and Bosa 10 yards up the field, they're at 10 yards of depth before they can turn that corner. It just creates such a great lane for Mahomes to be able to, to, to step up in the pocket and deliver this ball. Yeah, and you've got to also give tremendous credit here to Justin Watson in his route because he's going up against J.C. Jackson, who is a very good corner in this league. But what he does a tremendous job of right here is watch this. We always talk about for wide receivers when you're running a deep route, step on the guy's toes, make him uncomfortable. So he explodes out of there with speeds. And, and if you make your break too early, you give that guy uh, the, the ability to recover. But right here, when he steps on his toes and makes that first initial move to the out route, he gets J.C. Jackson uncomfortable and flips his hips. And right there, that's what makes the route. As he may, makes him flip his hips, now he's off balance, and then he takes it up the field, to stay skinny right there. And again, this is an elite throw by an outstanding quarterback in our league, one of the best, who just flicks his wrist and rips it 45 yards downfield on a dime. But again, it also is he's, you got to give credit where credit's due. And Justin Watson right here, the way in which he ran that route to create separation and get open is really what made that play. Yeah, and this is um, – I just love this play because it's every it, – it really is. It's all 11 guys doing their jobs and, and executing. And it took everybody being perfect basically to pull this off because the Chargers defense, you know, it's not like the Chargers defense really screwed this up. It's just, you know, 
the Chiefs out executed them and and that that design um of that protection scheme is just absolutely phenomenal and so creative because you're able to basically help help on Bosa and Mac without losing anybody from from your pattern and you you're able to help your tackles block them one on one because Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley ultimately when all is said and done in this play are blocking them one on one because Kelsey and Juju both release but the paths that they take force them to take those wide angles and basically run them completely out of the play so it's just it's phenomenal play design incredible protection as you said like just the execution from those tackles and from Jarek McKinnon and then another otherworldly throw from Mahomes and it took all of that uh, to beat this Chargers defense on Thursday night. I do think they're legitimately that good. I know we're not used to seeing the Chiefs have these types of struggles offensively that they went through at points in this game, but I, I do think this Chargers defense has something special going, and it was a, it was a phenomenal effort uh, from KC to be able to make enough plays to pull out this win. Uh, 100%, and you hit it on the head. When you see a play like this, this is all 11 guys working in unison to actually make this play go. And it starts with the protection up front. If you don't have this protection, if you don't step down, get uh, McKinnon doesn't do a good job on that linebacker, makes it more uncomfortable, makes it sticky in the pocket, then he can't deliver this ball. But it's also his vision when he steps up in the pocket. Look, if there's one guy that you're going to throw to on this play who's open, it, it's Watson, right? And that, that's him. Yeah. And for him to be able to see that as he's stepping up, feeling that pressure, and still it's a little bit muddy. You're feeling those guys kind of come down and start to get on you. You can feel their breath, but he delivers a perfect ball. And again, his feet aren't even set. He's off balance, stepping up, and he's able to make that throw. And that's a unique throw. Very special. And we love talking about the passing game here on the show. You're a quarterback. I coach quarterbacks. We, we're obsessed with it. We want to talk about it all day. But we got to give a little love to the run game, too. Um, yeah. The, that the Chiefs closed this one out. And it's not just it's not just Edwards-Hilaire on this play or the offensive line, but I love the pass catchers getting involved in springing this play. What did you see here? Yeah, it's just an outside zone. And really, they're running outside zone, and you got to get a hat on the hat. I thought the offensive line did a great job of cutting off the backside, getting to the second level. But then again, it's Travis Kelsey going up against Derwin James, one of the best safeties in the league. And he, again, he steps up, gives a little bit of presence to help with the angle for Wiley to get out here on that defensive end. And then he gets locked in, hands inside, starts making the drive. And then Juju Smith-Schuster coming in. Originally, I think he thought he had Derwin James because you could kind of see him run in there and go, oh, wait. Kelsey, you're taking him? Okay, I'm going to turn out. I'm going to get this nickel. They do a great job of keeping their hands inside, of getting on their man and busting this, this run wide open. But it was a great job collectively up front of the double teams moving up to the second level, cutting off the backside. And then, again, it takes everybody in the run game, Hamilton. You know that. You're a coach, man. It takes everybody to do their job. And when those pass catchers have buy-in and will go out and hit somebody and do their job in the run game as well and blocking that was what makes a real football player and that's what makes that run game go yeah and that's what that's what i tell my kids all the time you know good, you'll get good plays in the run game when the offensive line does its job you get those home runs and those huge plays when the perimeter guys block and uh as you said the buy-in i i don't want to hear about juju's fantasy numbers right now uh, this is a this is a game ceiling play. That's a game ceiling block um, to to be able to spring Edwards Elaire and uh, 
get the Chiefs that ultimately get the Chiefs that field goal that puts them up by two scores late in the game. Um, this is just this this is as clutch as making a big catch on third down, you know, making a making a block like that and uh, allowing Edwards Alaire to get out into space like that. And I think uh, I think we're going to continue to see a big year from this run game because you know we saw the offensive line really grow and develop last year and take the strides they need to make. And I think now you're seeing adding, this is like the under, this is the underrated stuff that adding a guy like a Juju Smith-Schuster brings to your offense, because this is what he did in Pittsburgh too. It's funny because everybody sees all the TikTok dances and all the other nonsense that's gone on with him sometimes that people get frustrated with, but he's a gritty player. Like he's, he, he gets his hands dirty. He's the guy that makes the tough catches over the middle. And he's the guy that's willing to block play after play. Yeah, and I mean that—that's what makes the difference. He's a—he's a true football player, like you said. Playing in the slot is not an easy thing in this league because you're always going to be one of those guys that's susceptible to contact, right? You got to make those tough catches. You're going to get hit, but it's also the one of the most important parts to any run game is that that slot player being able to go and pick up that nickel or hit the safety and stick their nose in there. Even though, look, you, you're, this is not the highlight that a lot of people are showing on ESPN or on. Uh, on NFL Network and all that stuff on your show, Hamilton. But at the end of the day, <laughs> these are the plays that they don't get enough credit for, but they, these are what make the, the, the big plays go. Are those guys blocking downfield and getting a hat on a hat? Yeah, and I felt like I was about 70 years old saying the, the, the TikTok dance, those kids in their TikTok dances. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. Like this is this is the stuff that, uh, yeah, he doesn't get enough credit for and that he brings to this offense now that's that – that they did that they did need so um yeah just uh just a tremendous effort all around to to find a way to get the job done it wasn't the prettiest game offensively that we've seen from the chiefs certainly wasn't as pretty as week one but again you get a win against a, a top quality opponent in a prime time game can't complain about that um, no you can't chiefs, complain about that <laughs> another important one coming up this weekend taking on a colts team that's that's really been struggling so far Obviously, injuries have been a huge issue, uh, missing Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce last week, as well as on the other side of the ball, Shaquille Leonard, all-pro linebacker Shaquille Leonard. Um, it does sound like there's a chance those guys are going to be back. We're hearing they're, they're showing up back in practice. Um, so, so, Matt, when you look at this matchup with Indianapolis, what's the first thing your eyes go to? You know, Indianapolis has got to be a hungry team right now because they've been struggling. They want to get back on track, and they've got a they've got a good collection of players on both sides of the ball, but they haven't been able to put it all together. And when you look at the defensive structure, it's one of these games for the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Is it's going to be a take what they give you game. It's a ton of zone coverage, three deep, four underneath. They're going to give you a lot of easy throws on the outside, hitches, quick outs, and then everything in this passing game for the most part is going to be about your spacing, right? You got to create space because all those guys are zone spot droppers, so to speak. So you got to get the ball out quick. You're going to be able to influence them with the run game because these guys are a fast flow team, right? They, they're predicated on speed at the second level, even in, in their defensive front, they're get, they're going to shoot the gaps. They're going to try to penetrate. They're going to get in the backfield. So you have to do a good job of being diligent this week, taking what they give you and not allowing you know, the fact that you haven't had a chunk play because Gus Bradley in this defensive structure is meant to try to make you earn it and then capitalize on turnover opportunities. So take care of the ball, take what they give you and move the ball down the field.
Hey, sorry to interrupt, but the NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And that's right, we're talking touchdowns, we're talking big plays, and even bigger payout wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Listen, if that's not enough, DraftKings got you covered. Everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg that you add... You can boost your winnings up to 100%. That's right. I paused a little bit because I had to make sure that was true. Right now, for every leg that you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With bigger payouts than ever, why would you bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. That's right. All season long. Here's what you got to do. You got to go to DraftKings Sportsbook and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now, use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code KCSN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. You can see the show notes for more details. Now, let's get back to the show. And it is, it's a departure from, from what we've seen in the past from this Colts defense a little bit, because obviously Matt Eberflus moves to Chicago, takes over the head coaching gig with the Bears. Right. I thought Eberflus' best, thing, best trait as a defensive coordinator is he would always find a way to take away what you do best and, you know, make you beat him with, with your second pitch. You know, he's not going to let you beat him with the fastball. He's going to make you use your second pitch to beat him. And he, he's given, you know, the Chiefs usually have come out on top, on top in those matchups, but he's he's slowed up that Chiefs offense a little bit and given them some problems over the years. So I'm interested to see how things are going to be different under Gus Bradley. Yeah, it will be interesting because, again, this isn't one of those defenses schematically that you're going to be sitting there watching film going, gosh, I got to be really on – you know, the pre-snap read, post-snap, because it, it's it's not a disguise-oriented defense, right? It's what you see is what you're going to get. And so then you just have to make sure that you're really good with your keys, your understanding for where you want to go with the ball, and then be just diligent with that ball. Because, again, this defense over these last few years has been very good at getting takeaways and being opportunistic. They've got Stefan Gilmore over there uh, and uh, also Kenny Moore. Both of these corners are veteran guys and they're, they're, they're playmakers. So you just, you don't want to force balls into coverage and do that. You just have to sometimes take the check down. But again, the quick game is going to be a big part of this. And then, for them defensively, it's going to start with stopping the run game with Jonathan Taylor because they're going to want to run the ball. That's what this offense is predicated on is running the ball. And then they'll give you a lot of different formational looks. They'll use a lot of different personnel. They'll spread you out. They'll go empty. They'll take their shots. So, But the one thing that I'll say is this offensive line isn't what it used to be for the Indianapolis Colts. And they've struggled. They struggled mightily last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Matt Ryan was under duress all game long and would force some unforced errors as well in the past game. So they're going to have to get after this group up front and, uh, and then at the same time stop the run. And speaking of Matt Ryan – it's been a it's been a brutal start. One touchdown pass to four interceptions. Obviously, you know, a tie against the Texans, a loss to the Jaguars, two games that yeah, everybody expected to be cakewalks for them, you know, leading up to the season. They were the trendy pick to win the AFC South. A lot of right. people thought they were gonna take a huge step forward with that with that addition. 
what are you seeing out of him? Is is he just looking like he's on the downturn of his career, or is it just adjusting to new offense, new personnel? Is it the injuries? Is it what? What do you think is going wrong with that Colts offense right now? I think some of it. I mean, it's definitely a combination. There's no doubt. It looks like he's not as comfortable as what you would expect just at the start of this season with this offensive unit. Again, the personnel issues have really hurt them. Their top two wide receivers have been out, so they've been struggling to figure out who's going to be on the field, who's running what. I mean, so – and then at the same time, it's been – a lot of it had to do with protection, right? They they haven't been able to protect him and put him in a comfortable pocket because he is one of these guys. He's a special player, and he's been that way for a long, long period of time, but he's a pure pocket passer. He's not going to get outside the pocket. You're not going to run a ton of boots or sprint game or anything like that, so he's stationary. You know where he's going to be, so you have to give him that pocket of protection from the interior part of the line and the outside, but the outside tackles have really been given fits over these first few weeks, and they've been getting beat, and that's never a good feeling so they've got to figure out a way to protect him play action probably a little bit more less drop back and get into more manageable third down situations and all those things come into play when you're talking about good quarterback play versus somebody that looks out of sorts so to speak with Matt Ryan right now in this offense yeah absolutely and I do I do want to give a little credit to that that Jaguars new look front with all those athletes looked incredible last weekend too they, so they did uh, <laughs> they did don't they got after it all on the Colts messing up that that front is is going to be really really special um whether it's you know later this year and by next year they have they have waves of young pass rushers so uh credit to them as well but yeah going back to that defensive side of the ball you mentioned Gilmore and Kenny Moore I was like, Kenny Moore maybe one of the most underrated players in the league he's he's uh, as good a nickel corner as there is, we've seen him just right. absolutely wreck games um, because of his ability just to, to impact both the pass and the run, get a, you know, stick his nose and make those hard nose tackles. They'll use him as a blitzer. He's an, he's an absolute ball Hawk. Um, he's just, uh, he, he's a special to get. So obviously we'll see, we'll see probably some of him on Juju. Do you think we'll see him matched up on Kelsey at all? How do you see them utilizing him to try to slow down with the chiefs too? Right. That's one of the questions that they're going to have to answer is who who uh, covers Kelsey and who who are they comfortable with covering Kelsey? Because they don't play a ton of man. So a lot of it is going to be, like I said, zone oriented. They're going to be in spots. So Kenny Moore, based on what defense is called, will either be in the slot nickel, probably playing some form of zone. But when they do go man is the third down situation. It's more situational than anything else is when they change it up. And it's that third and five range. They'll mix it a little bit in the red zone just as a change up. But you're not going to see a lot of it. So if you do go man to man, it'll be interesting to see who they want over Kelsey, who's probably the biggest pass catching threat for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'd have to imagine that a guy like Kenny Moore will be on him during the game if they go man to man. And and also Stefan Gilmore, obviously a former defensive player of the year when he was in New England, huge moments in that Super Bowl win over the Rams. He's kind of fallen off the map, uh, at least as far as the public perception is concerned. You know, obviously got traded to the Panthers last year, spent spent his time there on a team that fell out of relevancy quickly. Uh, signs with the Colts as later into free agency. Do you is he still that guy? Is he still a top level corner? Or is this a guy that you know you don't have to worry about as much at this stage in his career? 
Well, if you turn on the film last week, I mean, there there's a lot of catches made and thrown his direction. And it's that stop-start, it's the quickness, it's everything else. I think he still possesses that. He's a ball-hawking guy, but he's also really good when it's press man. And this isn't really a press man situation. He can't use his length and all that. He's playing primarily off coverage and then trying to read route patterns, which he's really good at. But at the end of the day, I mean, I don't know if his skill set is meant to just play zone, right? I think more man, the more press that you can put him up into somebody, use his long arms and run with somebody, get physical at the line of scrimmage, he'll benefit more from that than he will in the zone. Now, but you always have to take him into account. You don't want to be careless with the ball and just feel like you can go after him because that's when somebody jumps a route. Even like the Revises of the world, when they get a little bit later in their career and people have done this, you always still have to be careful around guys like that. They've got so much experience and institutional knowledge of what goes on in the league and route concepts, how to read certain stuff, that if you get lazy and you just think that you're going to go after and attack them, sooner or later it's going to come back to bite you. Absolutely. And it sounds like just from talking this out with you, um, Gus Bradley's obviously been a great defensive coordinator in this league and had success multiple places, but it doesn't sound like he might, he might be the best fit for, for the Colts personnel in some ways. Do you think that's fair? You know, it's interesting because I think that his structure and his scheme and what he brings there, there's not a lot of change from what they were prior to that, right? And so I I think that they're looking for a smooth transition. How do you utilize your personnel with the four down front and the linebackers and stay in that 4-3 structure? And by doing so, I I thought that they think it would be a seamless transition. But thus far, it just hasn't worked out. And a lot of it has to do with they haven't been complementing each other in terms of both phases of the game. You know, the offense has struggled. They've got behind early last Uh, in the first week of the season against Houston, fighting from behind. And so it doesn't put your defense in a great position to be successful. One, because they're on the field for a really long time when the the offense is struggling and not being able to sustain drive. So it works hand in hand, and I think that they'll get it figured out. They've got a lot of good personnel on that side of the ball, and they've had success in this system before. It's just they're going through their growing pains, and it's going to be a process. And that's a great point. I feel like people kind of overlook that at times because they look at one unit as a singular entity, like the offense by itself and the defense by itself. But you're right. When, you're, when your offense is struggling, it puts so much more stress on your defense because you're on the field more. The field, you know, the opponent's usually in better field position. It really does impact things so much. So you're right. You can never really just take anything, um, you know, any side of the ball just at face value. Both sides really do have to work in concert uh, to be successful. But uh, I want to ask you before we go. We've been doing this. Uh, we've been pretty. We've been pretty dead on so far with a, with our picks on these games. So, uh, what are you expecting this weekend? How do you see this one shaking out? I think the Chiefs are going to have a really good day at the office. I think that they're going to win probably thirty-one to. 17 i'll give them 17 i don't know if they're even going to score that many points but right now i just think that the the chiefs their ability and the the way that the offense is set up with the quick throws the rpos and all those things they're going to be able to take advantage of this defensive structure and then start running the ball a little bit and then until the colts show me that they're going to become an explosive offense and the way that they've struggled the first two weeks i i believe that the defense for the kansas city chiefs has a lot of confidence right now and they're playing better and that they're going to give them fits I agree with you. I was going to go before, you know, I, I wrote mine down before 31-13 was going to be mine. I'm giving yep. them a little less credit offensively than you are. 
Um, obviously, Jonathan Taylor can, you know, can if he gets going and the Chiefs have, have some tr- some trouble up front uh, dealing with that run game, it can, it can change this game in a hurry. Um, you know, if the Colts are able to get him going and, and hang on to the ball and, and milk the clock and keep the ball away from Mahomes, I think that's the one chance that the Colts have to hang around in this game. But based on what we've seen so far on tape, it's just it's hard for me to, to believe that that's going to happen uh, at this stage for them. So uh, I do think the Chiefs win this one and and run away with it a little bit. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all we got for you today on the breakdown. Uh, keep it. Keep your eyes peeled going forward. Uh, we'll be dropping new episodes every single week. Looking back, looking ahead, diving into the film giving you everything you want to know about this Chiefs offense and how it's evolving week to week. Matt, always a pleasure. Matt, always a pleasure. See you guys. (laughs) 